Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey George. Hey Lions, how's it going? It's uh it's it's like a, a you plus me equals us kind of moment. And if you get that reference, I'm going to one be shocked as hell, and two, kind of proud of you. Isn't it isn't it a music thing, right? It, like it's a song? It is. It is a real song from a fake boy band in a movie that makes fun of real boy bands. <laughs> that actually ended up becoming a sort of real boy band when people got dollar signs in their eyes and discovered that most people don't understand the difference between legitimacy and parody. Mm-hmm. The 90s I mean, were a F- weird time. And by 90s, I think I mean early 2000s, but I'm not broken up over it. Yeah, well, well what are you going to do? But me personally, I'm doing mathematical. Like it's. I'm a mathematician. <laughs> Woo! <But> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, we have a little bit of front loading to do with this episode. Uh, we played. Uh... <laughs> okay. The Plaster so, of Maths. So, well. So technically, (laughs) technically, I believe we played new Math Blaster Plus, Mm -hmm. and I'm probably just going to title this episode Math Blaster to make everyone's life easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But here, here's the front loading we have to do. So uh, first off, this was a listener request, right? So don't say we never did anything for you. Um, But this, we we actually got requested this. Quite a while back, uh, and then you you brought it up again recently, and I was like, yeah, we did say we would get around to that eventually, so here it is. Um, also, the, the original Math Blaster came out in 1983, Plus came out in 1987, and New Plus, which sounds terrifyingly like the new speak from mm. Fahrenheit 451, or is that Fahrenheit 451? No, it's... Uh, 19, 1984, I think. I don't know, man. Dude, none of this is making it to tape. So. Nope. Um, <laughs> that one came out in 1990, and it is also the one that is available on the Internet Archive to play for free. So just like when we played Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, you should go and donate to the Internet Archive because they're doing good, important work. Um, there will be a link, an actual link in the actual show notes where you can go give these people your actual money. And you should because they're doing God's work. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely, we played a Math Blaster, like you said, like there's been a couple. And I remember and like... when tons since then. The most recent one came out in like the 20 teens. Yeah. So like, and, and I played none of those. Um, I, I think that, uh, that yeah, like, like you, you sent me the link to this and you're like, is this the one you played? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man, maybe, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's been a while. I, to be fair, I played the, I played it a lot, but Definitely, and we'll we'll get into this more a little bit later, but definitely a lot of my memories about this kind of swirl around, you know, this is educational time. And, like, your brain just does not hang on to that as well as, you know, this is super fun, relaxing, happy time, you know? So, like, yeah, I, when you were like, is this the one? I'm like, it is as close to the one as I can remember. And Math Blaster did not have the cultural impact that Oregon Trail... And like Mavis Bacon teaches typing, 
right? Mm-hmm. Some some of those things are just like so deeply ingrained in the popular culture that even if you haven't touched like Oregon Trail since you were, you know, six years old, like you've probably seen like t-shirts or jokey memes on the internet or stuff. And Math Blaster is one of those like, it's a cultural touchstone, but it never really crossed into pop culture, mm-hmm. right? So, like for for you know the generation before ours, our generation, and the generation right after ours, everybody kind of knows what Math Blaster is because they probably played it, or they at least like had an older sibling or a younger sibling who played it. But it's it's no guarantee that once you got out of grade school, you ever touched or thought about this game again, right? So right. Uh, also, the the differences between the earliest versions are subtle enough that I'm not really broken up over this. This is not like confusing the original Super Mario Brothers with like Super Mario Galaxy, where it's like, oh, no, like, they're basically the same thing, right? Like these basically are the same thing, so I'm not broken up about this at all. Yeah, it's not like confusing Metal Gear with Metal Gear Solid. It is not like that, and I'm telling you, they are different things. We are going to play Metal Gear Solid. I have, I yeah, I have not seen anything that would lead me to believe that those two games are different at all, or even two separate games. I'm pretty sure that this is like one of those like giant like, oh, you've been punked things, but you know, <laughs> I will find you links. <laughs> links? Oh, you mean from like a good game like Legend of Zelda? There can be more than one good game. No, there cannot. Uh, <laughs> so, so, what was your your nostalgia <laughs> experience for this? So, my uh, elementary school. I was in uh, Florida, had like a lot of hippie open plan schools when I was growing up. And what that meant was the buildings were usually broken up into like pods of some kind. So like each building had certain resources in it. And my building was lucky enough to have the computer lab in it. So we had access to the computers way more than kids who had to like come over from another building or only got to use the computers in the library. Right. So we were, we were blessed with access to this literally like a, a, a room just filled with Apple twos um, or Macintoshes, original Macintoshes. Um, so I played this game in school for school reasons. Like most kids did, right. Anybody listening to this, who's like, Oh no, sometimes on a lazy Sunday, I would just fire up math blaster. Like I can't, totally relate to your experience, right? I think most people probably played this in school. Um, the the kind of like, I don't know what the right word is for it, like the, the niggling problem with it is when we got computer lab time, we had a handful of games. We were, you know, games, edu games, we were like allowed to pick from. And right, so there were some kids who played like Typing Tutor. There were some kids who played Math Blaster. And obviously everyone who was cool played Oregon Trail. But um, there was a, a, not a game, but there was a piece of software on the Macintosh called HyperCard. And basically it was like super powerful PowerPoint where you could say like, okay, on this screen, I want it to look like this. And then when you click here, I want it to do this. And what it essentially allowed you to do was make these really, even for a kid, like relatively simple kind of like point and click games. And so that was what I spent a lot of my edutainment time doing is like building these simple games and then playing Oregon Trail. And then if I really had to or really wanted to for some weird reason, then I would get to Math Blaster. So 
I have no like angst toward Math Blaster, but I also was not one of those kids who was like, yeah, I was good in class, so I get to play Math Blaster for you know fifteen minutes like that. that it, it weren't me. <laughs> You know, for me, actually, this is one that so my mom and this is this is where it gets a little hazy. So this is this is a a tangential side story. So my mom, (laughs) when I was younger, um, up till the age of like maybe 15, she worked for IBM. Right. So uh, I think think I've heard of them. Yeah. I I don't know. Like they're they're big into like space. I don't know. Something some some little little shop on the corner. Yeah. I I forget. Pizza parlor. Yeah, I remember there was like a something something and disk operating system. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but uh, also true. Oh, so anyway, so so she worked for IBM, right? And so this is just a, a funny tangential side story: is that for the longest time, I thought the IBM building that she worked at was really really small and had like a small parking lot, and you know, like, it, and then when I actually got to like a take your son to work day. Like it was this huge, massive building, and I couldn't reconcile the two. It was because at one point my mom was driving into work and forgot that I was in the car and pulled into a McDonald's parking lot to turn around and take me to school. I thought she had gotten all the way to work. So for about, (laughs) so for about like six years, I thought I knew my mom worked for IBM. I just thought the building was a McDonald's, you know, (laughs) I tell you all that to tell you this, that, you know, when I'm looking back on it, like this is like young enough to where like a lot of my memories are really hazy, you know? Mm. So, I remember playing this on my mom had two computers, you know, PCs, you know, back in the day, right? Where literally there was, if I remember correctly, there, it wasn't Windows based, it was DOS. And I just knew oh, yeah. the DOS commands to get to Math Blaster, you know, yeah. because I knew that I put in the Math Blaster floppy disk and then I accessed the floppy drive and then it ran Math Blaster, you know, da da. So, so this is actually one where I would play on a lazy Sunday. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, most of us, you, you found, I, cause I honestly forgot your mom worked for IBM. So like <laughs> you found the insane loophole of like, we just had this crap laying or cause at this point in history, not everyone had 17 computing devices within arm's reach of them at all times. Right. Right. So to say like, did you play this computer game in the late 1980s, early 1990s is like, maybe it's school. Maybe your friend had a computer. Maybe you were the friend who had a computer, but your friends didn't. So they all came to your house. Right. But it's like, yeah, your mom worked for IBM. So <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. You're the weirdo so, who lazy Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, that's the interesting thing is that this was the game that I played when my mom had to work. So this was because it was in her office, you know, mm-hmm. so like she would be working in the office and I was apparently old enough to play Mass Blaster, but not so old that I could be left completely to my own devices in the entirety of the house. So, you know, because knives. So um, <laughs> I saw a thing online not recently. Knives they, chow? They, yeah. Well, I say they call me seven knives because I keep throwing them in the sink before I'm done using them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways. So so yeah so so this was that that's kind of my nostalgia experience with this was you know just booting it up on my computer sitting next to my mom's computer as she was like doing work work you know and I would just sit there and uh, and blast some maths. I like that because that's I I think a lot of kids from our parents' generation probably remember like you know oh when I would go with you know mom or dad to the the corner market or the ACE hardware that they ran or, you know, whatever, like physical goods store, 
like, oh, I would just sit in the back and like play with the label maker. Or, like I would build, you know, forts out of all the empty supply boxes. But like not anybody from that generation said like, oh, I would, you know, my mom, the NASA calculator who worked <laughs> on the, the moon landing, like I would just sit there and press buttons on these multi-million dollar machines until someone chased me out of the room with a broom, <laughs> right? But because of when we grew up, the idea of you using a computer as a plaything to distract you, even mm -hmm. at that young age, even when computers were still kind of considered like appliances, like that's, that's kind of charming. Like that time was fairly short-lived, right? It was basically the 80s and early 90s and before that, nobody had a computer in their house. And after that, everyone had a computer everywhere they went. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like now everybody carries their PC with them all the time and complains about the fact that, you know, the cat video that they're downloading is taking slightly longer than they would like. The Internet's great. <laughs> <laughs> you damn kid. I think that might be that's in the top five of closest we've gotten to, like, get off my lawn. You damn kid. Like that was. <laughs> That aged us horribly, that, that part of that conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, to be fair, like, I've said a number of times to, you know, people where I'm like, I don't know how our parents did it without being able to just take, you know, like when the kid is, you know, starting to get a little antsy or whatever, you know, in the supermarket. Or, I mean, I remember one point, Megan and I, when we were, like, buying a car, you know, like, we just needed Teddy to not be all over the place. So it's just like, here, here's one of the channels that you like on YouTube, you know, like stop there. And moving he, or talking yeah he just sat there and just watched youtube and i was like how what, what, what did i have like a magna doodle like the god what did that entertain me for like five minutes like but yeah visuals yeah they're spoiled we're not everything for us was yeah. hard for them it's easy oh well, actually but, I, but I, visuals. I, I just i just recently had a conversation with somebody where um they they said uh it was it was kind of a Luckily, I knew this person well enough that I could be a little little snide with them. But, you know, is they were like, ah, well, you know, people don't know how easy kids have it these days. And it took me a second because this was kind of in a professional setting to like kind of be like, yeah, you know, I'm in the generation that's behind you. Right. You know, like, I I am the generation that you're complaining about. But I didn't say that is, you know, they were like, well, he was like, well, you know, kids have it so easy these days. I'm like, then we did our job. Right. Because it's every generation's job to ensure that the leaving the world a better place than they found it. So we did it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, yes, visuals. This game has the visuals and there's more visuals than just us being old curmudgeons on our lawns and telling children to get <laughs> off of it. Yeah. So I, I've said this for a few other PC and PC related games, but I just... I don't like this style, dude. I just don't like, I don't, I don't like the, the early PC, early Mac, Dossy kind of art style. Like I know for a lot of people, this generation had, or like around this generation had like Monkey Island and that's a beautiful game. And, uh, um, Legend of Corandia was a game I actually got to play through. Like I learned about it in school and then got to play it, you know, later as an adult. And like, it's an absolutely gorgeous game. And, and any of the, uh, you know, like Day of the Tentacle, like the point and click Lucas Art Adventures, which I think Monkey Island is also a Lucas Art Adventure. But like those were yeah, visually yeah. beautiful games, even though they were early PC games. But then there's this whole other category of like early Mac and especially DOS games that just have this DOS look about them 
and I mm-hmm. hate it. And it it's not a visual fidelity thing. Like there are parts of this game that like the visual fidelity is actually fairly high and like in the 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 math recycler like the gears are like pretty lovingly animated and they look neat and you can tell like what they are and that it's this big machine and like the 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 trash and like the trash recycler you know part like is all like pretty clear what those things are supposed to be even though they didn't have a ton of pixels to work with like the art isn't bad i just hate it i hate it. <laughs> it, I, I am sure people who know uh like you know renaissance and baroque era artists like like oh well you know a, a, a michelangelo is you know a fine work of art but uh, a leonardo is utter rubbish right way overrated like i'm i am sure people could do this and not sound as infantile as i am sounding complaining about friggin' math blaster but this generation and this like category of game just I don't like it. It just does not look right to me. Even when it's done well, it just looks blah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, the, the the visuals don't really strike me. I mean, they're not they they are not you know m- you know Metal Gear Metal Gear graphics. You know, like they're not like really top tier PlayStation Metal Gear graphics, right? But they're not like something that really you know like is just eye bleach for me. You know, like they're 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 neither here nor there. I do think that the animations are nice in the sense that they're fluid, you know, like especially the math blaster dude walking, you know, like which he does a fair amount. Like he, it's pretty fluid, you know, like yeah, that, the, it's that's, not, that's probably a six or eight frame animation. Like they didn't, they didn't phone it in where it's just the legs instantly switch. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't like uh Mario, the Mario, like Donkey Kong, like oh, the OG, yes. you know, uh, it does have that that uh, oh, one God. thing with dirt, with walking. We'll get there. Mario. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, "Oh, that was just for lions." Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I really, I really did appreciate uh, some of the animations, like the uh, jetpack for when you're actually doing Math Blaster. Yes. Yeah, and you like shoot up to where the correct answer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that. So there's, there's, this should go into mechanics, but I want to address it here because it. Once I made this realization, it kind of colored a lot of the things the way I approached it, including the visuals, right? So I do not think that they set out to do this by any means. And this is a really, really, like, you could easily probably debunk this if you wanted to, but I thought it was an interesting kind of way to approach it, which is there's four games, right? You can tie each of Bartle's taxonomy to a particular game and which one it would draw the player to. Yeah, I agree with you that whatever it is you're about to say next was not intentional or at oh, least no. or at least no. not, Let me rephrase that. Not intentional to the depth that you are probably imagining, but the the person cuz I think originally this was a solo project. By the time mm-hmm. it was, you know, new Mathbaster plus XP 2000 Pro edition, there's probably other people on the team, but the original game was you know, the passion project of an honest to God math teacher who wanted to like make something that would help kids learn math, right. And and get better right. at math. So to say that this person or these people, you know, later like intuited, like, Oh, this game is challenging for this reason. This one is challenging for that reason. And so we're, they're all math games, but they have different game mechanics. 
But really, at the end of the day, you're just solving math. How you do it is is varies up a little. But but to say that they were like, okay, we need to make sure we cover the broadest range of player types possible. Right. But, no. But, I, I, but, but no, let's hear. Sorry. Let's hear the yeah. theory. Yeah. So this is this is my theory. Um. But no. I, and so I, I agree with you. And and just like with like you know lean six sigma, like that type of management style, where you know there's a whole lot of tools and a whole suite of philosophy and all this sort of stuff that goes through it. But I mean, like basically when you say like five essing an area, right. It's, it's like, Oh, you mean organizing it in a way that systemically makes sense. You know, like that's, that's all that you're doing. Like there's a whole lot of like, it's just, it's, it's just packaged in a way it makes it way more teachable, but a lot of it is very intuitive. And I think that the same is very true of Bartle's taxonomy where it's like, Oh, well, you know, some people like to play games for this reason. And you know, like, Oh, well, while, while I was watching this person play the game, like, you know, they really enjoyed socializing and talking to other people about it while other people didn't care about that. So how can I grab that too? And things like that, you know, or, or, you know, Hey, this, this seems even just within one person, like, Hey, this seems like it would be fun. And this seems like it would be fun. So no, I don't think this was intentional, but when I started to draw, like paint this picture out, I was like, it, 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 at least when I was looking, I was like, this will make interesting episode discussion, you know, it's a, (laughs) Because I was like, I was like looking at Math Blaster. I'm like, how do we really? I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's Math Blaster, you know. So I was like, well, let's we put this framework behind it, you know. Like, let's see, let's just see how this plays out. So for the rocket launcher, right? So there's one where you're building, you're, you're just adding numbers together, and you're just building a rocket, right? Yeah. yeah well, no, so that, no time. I don't know if there's even a penalty for failure. Like, I think you can just keep going until the rocket's built. Yes, I, I, and this is also a side thing where I. I, I tried to fail at some points, but I mean, it's, 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 you know, simple addition, subtraction, like, you know, it's, it's at, at hopefully at our age and literacy skill level, pretty <laughs> difficult to mess up. So that's, that's for explorers, right? Because every time it builds a ship, it builds it a little bit differently. Now I'm sure mm-hmm. that there is a, a limit to the different number of iterations that there are, you know, like, but at least for the five, six, iterations that i i didn't get the same rocket twice right well and, so, and let me uh i'm, I'm going to interject a a counter or a parallel story to your theory which is uh i have a five-year-old right mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'm i would like to sort of see what this game looks like through the eyes of my five-year-old my five-year-old does not play a ton of video games she knows what games are she has seen me play games she has played some games but like she's not she's not an avid gamer, right? Her games literacy is still pretty darn low. And she finds them kind of threatening because she doesn't like things that require like like her, okay, make a decision, right? And right. uh she was playing the the rocket launcher one, and I was telling her, like I was saying the math problem out loud, even though she could see it and she could read it, like I was trying to like kind of prod her along. And man, when like a new piece of the rocket popped on screen, she was like Right. Like really delighted and observing her delight was actually what made me notice. I was like, Oh, this rocket's different than the rocket I made. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I kind of got to have that Explorer moment because I was like, Oh, this is, yeah, I I could see why you would play this level or this, this little mini game like more than once, because you might just want to see what the rocket looks like. Right. Yeah, exactly. And because that's kind of where it would kind of ping me to is like, what's the, reward for playing each mini game right so for that one it's the it's the explorer right so the idea is that you're building this rocket and like you said like the rocket you know it's like ooh, well what, what will the rocket look like this time you know so you're kind of like getting that that degree of explorer right so the trash zapper is for the achievers right because 
the thing that initially frustrated me about that, right, was because I was like sitting there, I was like, you know, okay, so I, I do all of the equations and I get a large amount of ammo, right? Energy. Energy. And then I zap the trash. But I mean, I could get one trash or seven trash and who knows, you know, like it doesn't, doesn't whatever. Matter. It like, does not seem to change anything. Right. So, so that's why in my, in my mind is for the achiever, because the achiever says like, I will get all of the trash. Yes. Right. Like, and, and you only have exactly as many shots as there are trash. Right. So that's the thing. It's, it's just kind of like, I know I have achieved, I have beaten the system when I, and it is difficult. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty skilled and there, I mean, I got all the math parts, right. And then as far as zapping the trash, I was like, this is pretty hard, you know? So, so that's for the achiever, right. They would really kind of lock into that. Right. So then um, the number recycler is for socializers. The reason why is because it's, it's strategy based and we'll, we'll talk, we'll definitely talk about this in mechanics because we had talked about the difficulty curve on this particular <laughs> mini game. Right. But there's a lot of strategy to it. Right. It's very, it's, there's an infinite amount of time. Right. And there's a complexity to it that is beyond seven plus nine, like seven plus nine is a fact. Right. There's nothing for us to discuss how to best strategize how to work that minigame is something that we can discuss. And because there is no time limit to it, we have all of the time in the world to discuss it. So you could say like, okay, well, if you change this to this and this to this, then that will drop down. It's like, yeah, but then that's going to eliminate a row. Okay, well, what about this? And we can sit there and discuss it back and forth, right? So it gives us a forum through which to, you know, kind of push socialization. And then finally, the actual mass blaster is for the, the kings or the killers, right? Because that's the only one that actually has a score presented to you on the UI. The the, the socializer one does as well, right? But it's yeah, kind of they, like I think they all have scores in the form of the little certificate you can get to. Exactly at the end, at which the is end. why it all ties back to visuals. Because I initially my note was why in the world doesn't the UI have how well or how poorly I'm performing? And it's because each mini game isn't appealing to that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for the killer, there's a very clear goal. And the reason also why it's for, is for killers is because there's a whole bunch of extra points that you can get. And there's a high score right at the bottom, right? So there's during the bonus stages, because during the bonus stages, I was like, I just don't care, right? Like, wh- wh- who cares if I get 15 points or 100 points? And I was like, oh, wait, no, I do care because there's this high score. And then I can say, like, I have the highest score. Mm-hmm. You know, here's my high score. It is better than your high score. Typically, if there's a, a scoring and a ranking system, that's something the Kings will focus in on, you know? So that's why, to bring it all the way back to visuals, why I had to mention this first is because <laughs> initially I was like, the UI is terrible. There's no way for me to tell how well or how poorly I'm doing in most of these games. But then I realized it's, in my opinion, because they are intentionally occluding some of that information because they don't want you to focus on it because that would make the game less fun for some player types. Well, and the the math blaster, the math blastering is the only one that has a time limit. So mm-hmm. it's also the only game that lends itself to scoring your ability to do math because they're not technic like you could make the argument as an educator that scoring someone's ability to get things right and wrong is not really measuring the right thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think in the other three mini games that you can be wrong infinitely and it will just let you keep trying because the, the, the kind of teaching teaching that this is, is called 
drilling because you are just drilling math problems just ad infinitum. And you get some visual feedback and some auditory feedback when you do things right or wrong, depending on the, the minigame. But the Math Blaster one is the only one that has a visual score and a visual timer because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here we're not just ranking your ability to do math. We're also ranking your ability to do math like under pressure. And, right. and so arguably the score is directly correlated to how accurate your math was. But mm-hmm. you could make like a very hand wavy, like, well, no, like really the thing we're measuring is their ability to do math under pressure. Given an infinite amount of time, another kid might be as good at math as this kid who got this high score, but this kid was able to do it under pressure quickly, right? And right. and that is measuring a different kind of thing. And so I'm with you 100% that occluding that information on the other games and including it in the math blastering is <laughs> is in line with uh not only the like the mechanics of each game but kind of what you would want as an educator like i don't want mm-hmm. someone to have a high score on every game if their score is not the thing that i want them to care about don't right. don't show me information that i shouldn't care about unless your goal is to actively distract me from the real objective, which is not usually how edutainment works. Right, exactly. No, I I agree. And and to be fair, like definitely um uh, you know, I, I'm not a, a formally schooled educator, so I don't know for sure, you know, like what exactly they were trying to attempt, or even if due to the age of the game, what they were trying to attempt is still considered to be the best way to teach. But um Yeah, I mean drilling so I, I wanted to talk about this later. No, you know what? Teaser. We will talk about this later. <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to comment on about the difference between the minigames um, besides the high score is uh, when you just look at the minigame, it's not immediately obvious what you're supposed to care about. So mm-hmm. like when you fire up like the trash recycler or the number recycler, like I have a fairly high games literacy. So I was able to say like, oh, well, the thing at the bottom is red and angry looking. And then there's a, a formula in the you know next row up that's dark, right? So that's the active formula. And then all of the other formulas in the recycling hopper are light gray. So those are not the active formulas. And I guessed that if I hit enter on the active formula, if it's true formula, that that would be marking the answer correct, right? I had to make a lot of assumptions there though, right? Based on a fairly large amount of games literacy, just looking at here are columns of numbers and mathematical symbols, and here's an empty row doesn't tell you a lot, right? Right. And and I suspect that Math Blaster, like a lot of games, like if I had read through the help menu, because it's a PC game, so there is a help menu, right? If I'd read through the help menu or if I'd had the booklet, that it probably explains the rules of the games because it's edutainment, so they're thinking of it more like board games, right? Or, Or lesson plans where you have to explain the rules of the assignment. But with a video game, you can convey some of that information through design, and they just really don't. Like... In the the trash blaster, trash zapper, like, Mm -hmm. I know what zapping is, so I guess, like, oh, as this power bar is filling up when I answer questions correctly, and then there's trash going across the screen, and there's a crosshair that I can control, 
which you have to know to press buttons to realize you can control the crosshair. It's like, oh, I zapped the trash because I filled up the power meter, right? But like, they don't really tell you that. And they could. When you go into that game, they could just be like, answer questions, right? To fill up your meter and then blast the trash away. I can almost guarantee you that information is in a help menu somewhere. But like, just tell me when I go into this game for the first time this session, right? Or for the first time for my player name or however you're going to key off that, like, just tell me what my objective is if you're not conveying that through the visuals and the design. Because I realized after just literally a few short minutes of play, like I am making a lot of intuitive leaps that are always correct, but require a huge amount of background knowledge to make, right? right? Like I show up and I see these things on the screen and I'm able to guess at what they mean, but a young kid, particularly at this time in history, who this may be the first game that this kid has ever played, that they're not going to have that game's literacy. They're not going to look at crosshairs and be like, oh, that's for shooting things. They're not going to look at the red column in the number recycler and be like, oh, that's uh, that's the one that gets destroyed if I let the numbers go down there and they don't get recycled. They're not going to necessarily look at the falling alien and be like, oh, that's my countdown timer in the math blaster, mm-hmm. right? You might learn those things through play, but because there isn't really super obvious penalties for failure, it's not always clear like, oh, was what just happened a good thing or a bad thing? Like the numbers went away. Did they go away for a good reason or a bad reason? They're off the screen. Is getting them off the screen my objective? And I think that that's that's the big thing is that it's it's what age because not only is is the age important, but the in games literacy important. But in this case, the literacy literacy is important. Yes. You know, like like because I mean that's the that's one of the interesting things that's been very fascinating for me for finding trying to find video games that Teddy and I can play together and that Teddy can play to a degree on his own is like there can be no information that is solely conveyed through text you know mm-hmm. like so I mean there's a whole bunch of games where like and we were talking in the pre-show where if if you liked game A then you would like game B you know like I, I can't rely on that at all because it's like, oh, did you like this one game? Well, you, you might like this other game. It's like, does it does it explain stuff through text? Because if it does, then I can't play that game. Yeah, and and I mean, even in modern gaming where they have high fidelity audio and they have fully scripted games where every single thing is done, you know, through a character speaking, there's still buttons and signs and all kinds of crap that is labeled with text that a kid who either can't read at all or can barely read or who can't read quickly and confidently, right? Um, Like that makes it completely inaccessible to them. And that's not a bad thing. Like using language in your game is not a problem, but but it does does create a a problem for certain kinds of people. Correct. And that's the thing is that, you know, like if if you are making a game that is directed at somebody who's learning basic arithmetic, you at least shouldn't rely on on heavy text-based stuff because one of two well for one of two reasons one is that again that just reading may not be their strong suit you know like they just may be weak in that area or straight up can't read to the degree that you need them to or b i'll tell you what man they they 
one of the hardest things to do is to get people to sit through a tutorial. It's even more difficult to get them to go find a tutorial. It is almost impossible to get somebody to go find an obtuse tutorial, right? And even though you may use the cleanest, most concise verbiage ever, if it's hidden behind a visual bar of like it's in a menu somewhere labeled as help and then when you open it up it's just a large text-based document if you give that to somebody who has not been reading for years and years and years i mean even if they got past those first two hurdles they're gonna abandon it you know well and i mean there's i don't know if we've ever talked about this because we don't play a lot of games aimed at this you know, low games literacy and just low literacy, like younger children is, do they even know to go seek out instructions? Like I I can imagine an edu game like this largely happening in a facilitated context, right? Mm -hmm. Where I don't have to look at the visuals because I swear to God, I'm going to keep this related to visuals. I don't have to look at the visuals and get every single piece of information I need because my teacher is standing in the room with me, right? Mm -hmm. Or another kid who's played this game is right there and like we can discuss, right? Have that like socializer aspect. But like if I asked my daughter, my five-year-old, who like I said, has played some games, like, oh, if you didn't know how to do in this game, what would you do? She wouldn't say like, oh, well, I would just open up the the config menu. Oh, I would just look for the instruction booklet. Oh, I would just hop on game facts. Like she doesn't, those are also like problem solving tools that she doesn't have. And the game has a help menu. And like I said, there, I didn't read through the help menus because, oh my God, who could be bothered? But I guarantee you there is useful information in there. But if a kid isn't clear on why a game would have a button that says help, they might not even know, like, I don't know what to do here. I'll go into this menu and then I'll read all these instructions and understand them well enough to then go back to the game and play it. Right. There's a lot of if, right. If they know that's what the menu for and if the information is in there is useful and if they understand all that information, like, so the answer is, yeah, they're not going to do any of that. And to, to your point before is um, there is only one game that I think that we, we, and we, we, we haven't done it on the show, but that we both kind of touched on that is like the lowest possible games that literacy lowest, like, like, you know, just pretty much anybody with a pulse can play it. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. And it's basically barely a game would be Luigi's Mansion. Well, I mean, it's a baby game for babies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's I mean, like a rattle or like a teething ring. Yeah. Kind of like that. Or, or like a, a like a, a spinning fan, you know, in that, like, I, I mean, guess, like a yeah, mobile. <laughs> Yeah, no, I meant an actual fan. Like, you know, like it's not even, you know, like the babies, you know, stare at that too. You know, it's, it's, it, which in that case, it's not even like a toy. It's just something that I assume like the game Luigi's Mansion was originally meant for like, you know, training, like some like weird training game, kind of like Math Blaster, right? But then all of a sudden they were like, oh, let's just slap Mario's brother in it because Mario's agent straight up said, I won't touch this game ever. It's terrible and it's awful. And then Luigi, who was currently like <laughs> and it's homeless, beneath me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, and you know who else is beneath me? Luigi. And so then they said, smack it, ship it. We're good to go. That playing playing Luigi's Mansion will be like that's our boss level. That that will be our greatest <laughs> our greatest challenge if we can ever be our last muster episode. the We're- courage. Yeah, whenever we decide like like this is going to be our last episode, <laughs> it should be Luigi's Mansion. We should go out on that. Just be like, it broke us, man. <laughs> like, what's the point of gaming anymore? <laughs> Why do I even exist? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any other thoughts on visuals? 
uh just the one other minor thing that i had this is just so so minor but like in those those many occluded kafka-esque menus <laughs> I, I, I delved into them briefly and dude the printer options were delightful to me right right because it was like are you using a dot matrix printer or are you using them like what's a printer you know like like i just i don't know i got a huge kick out of that that to me was very nostalgic that was a throwback man yeah. i could like smell the ink i could hear do you remember the noise those things made oh god yes so my father used to bring he would order an extra ream because he had a dot matrix printer that he he had to use for work he would order me an extra ream of paper. And if you don't remember, dot matrix printer paper came in a box that was about the size of an entire like paper box today. Right. So, I mean, just absolutely huge. And the reason he would do that is because when I was a kid and he was working that job, I just, I loved to draw and I would just go through paper just too fast for like regular notebooks and so uh, he would bring that to me and then I would go through an entire box of dot matrix paper, which is no joke, probably 500 to a thousand pieces of paper, like, and big pieces of paper. Cause they were that weird size, like not true eight and a half by 11. And then uh, he would just then supply me with another box and we would, you know, keep some drawings and recycle the rest of the paper. So not only do I have fond memories for dot matrix printers uh, visually, but the sound that like kind of chunking yeah. sound they made as they dragged the ribbon across like, uh. oh, so, yeah. so uh, good. Yeah. So good. And I think the horrible noises that dot matrix printers made is probably a great little set. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. it's all coming together. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. So uh, to, to start off with uh, sound, you want to, you want to talk about the, Meet the the lovingly, beautifully crafted sound that each one of the Martian, I assume he's a Martian's feet, made as it as it tactfully and gingerly touched down upon the ground, only to propel him further forward to take yet another step. Yeah, so here's the thing about walk noises. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that there was a time in gaming history when they couldn't create a realistic sound of someone taking a step but they knew from years of silent movies that became talkies and cartoons that got rich you know audio tracks that you needed ambient noise this i have no evidence for this but i'm deciding that there needs to be a good reason for this thing to exist that i hate so much because otherwise there are just things in the world that exist so i can hate them mm-hmm. <laughs> and i like don't want to yeah, I don't I don't want to believe that the world has too many things in it that fall into that category, right? We only need mm-hmm. the one Luigi's Mansion. Exactly. So uh, when you think about like um, a radio play, right, where there was a Foley artist like slapping sticks together and wiggling the thing to sound like thunder and, you know, making scary noises with chimes and rattles and stuff like that example. was, what's that? Do you have an example? I can't hear what you're saying like 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 the scary noises thing like what would that sound like yeah that stuff right those people were professionals damn it don't you dare to (laughs) undermine them they were and that was a theremin that was a good impression of a theremin too (laughs) i just carry a theremin everywhere i go (laughs) that's a good visual gag (laughs) right but so like those we've known for a long time that like the sound 
to say like it was a windy day isn't the same as having the noise of wind from like a Foley artist. Right. And, and then when there was a visual for something, it really helps to pair it with a sound effect. Otherwise your brain is like, what is happening right now? Like I just saw a door slam. Why didn't I hear a door slam? Right. Your, your brain just has these expectations because of, you know, reality, right? Maybe blind people or deaf people don't automatically associate sounds with visuals if they've been that way their whole life. But for people who can see and hear, we tend to associate certain visuals with certain sounds and vice versa. So when we started making video games and people decided, I can't just show a person moving through space. It has to make some kind of noise. And we had all sorts of fantastical creatures and monsters and and space aliens and things. They couldn't just make them have regular walking noises. They had to have some kind of weird walking noise. But, oh, wait, even when we do just have regular people walking, like Mario, who's walking on steel girders that for some reason make this horrible squeaking noise, I think it's because they didn't have the fidelity to make a realistic foot-clomping sound. And if they did, and it was the only sound effect, because they could only simultaneously generate two sound effects, it would probably have sounded horrible. And that just opened the doors for every stupid noise they could program into the computer to make it spit out some kind of... I mean, just you listen to that sound and tell me there's a god. There is no, <laughs> there is no way anyone thought that that's what it should sound like when the... I'm going to agree with you, he's probably a Martian. When the Martian guy, the math blaster, right? He's like the Highlander. There can be only yeah. one... There's no way that anyone thought that that's what it would sound like when he walked, but God help me, he had to have a walking sound, and that's the one they landed on. So let me ask you this. Um, do you like the... No, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I wanted to ask you. Uh, so, okay, and this kind of touches on one of my other notes, which is, I know that there, that Mario in Donkey Kong makes that godforsaken noise, and I know that it's here, and I remember it was in one other game that I'm blanking on right now, but like for example, Super Mario Brothers three, right? Super Mario, none of those have walking noises, right? So, it's is it it's interesting it that you picked three specifically because three has the speed noise, which is not the sound of you walking, but it is an indicator of how fast you're moving. Well, it's it's an indicator that specifically that you have reached the point to where you will you can fly interact differently with the world when yes. you jump. Yes, you know it, so it, it's, 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 that's it's a visual. Like, that's an audio cue. Yes, it's, you know. it's an audio cue like an engine shifting. It's like oh, now right. I'm in a higher gear, and and but they're right. not trying to pass it off as the sound his feet make. Correct. So what I'm wondering though is, is it is it pretty much in games where there's no ambient music? No, I would say almost every single modern game has walking noises. No, no, no. What I'm saying is the walking, the, that that godforsaken walking noise. Is it? Is it just in these older oh. games? Mm. What I'm saying is, were they were they making the game and they said the silence is deafening? We have to have like it's 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 this is awful. Like there's just nothing happening. We have to have some kind of sound to let people know that something's happening. Right now in Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario 3 and all that sort of stuff, there was music. Right. So that that kind of let you know that the game was playing, things were going and it, and it gave you that that audio satisfaction. Right. Whereas in these games, there's nothing except for the sound effects of what's happening. So they're like, God, when they're, when when something isn't actively being blasted, like there's nothing. It's silent. So we got to fill the no 
void with something, let's fill it with walking. That so I would believe that that is a factor, um, particularly because Donkey Kong, one of the most egregious examples of a horrible walking noise that served nothing and no one and made everybody's life worse. Uh, those uh, screens, right? A lot of arcade screens, people don't really realize, but they were often special screens that were hmm. extra tall because, mm-hmm. you know, the action was usually coming at you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they would take regular televisions and turn them on their sides. And a lot of people don't realize that old-fashioned TVs were not square. They were, in fact, four by three. And if you turn it on its side, you become intensely aware of how rectangular it is because you are not <laughs> you are not used to seeing it on its side. So modern TVs like that are 16 by 9 or 1610 or whatever, like... You're like, oh, yeah, it's a rectangle. But old TVs were also rectangles, right? So when you turn them tall-wise, length-wise, whatever, um, then you're like, oh, wow, look at how tall it is because your brain just isn't used to seeing that. And that's how most arcade cabinets were. So I say all that to say this. In a lot of arcade games, like the original Donkey Kong, right, you are looking not where Mario is. You are looking where the the things that are going to kill Mario are coming from. And so if you are holding the stick or your thumb is right over the walk button or whatever in an arcade game, the audio cue that you have made your avatar move might actually be important. You might need to know how many, like if you're an expert arcade player, you might start to even internalize like, oh, it's 20 of that horrible noise and then I'm right under the ladder and I can go up. And all the while, my eyes can be on this part of the game that's handled by random number generation, so I need to keep my eyes on that. But this other thing, I can have like an auditory clicker going, basically. And that, I mean, man, I just, again, made a lot of assumptions. I am wish-casting a lot about how you would totally justify this terrible noise, right? So... Uh, a combination of, well, walking makes noises and, well, it's information that they might need because they're not visually looking at that part of the screen. And the, there's this, like, we don't have any music. We don't have any other sound effects. We need something to be happening. And what's the thing people do most? It's walking. So we'll make that make sound so that the game is always making sound. Collectively, I think that these are service, like these these and other equally ridiculous reasons could have combined to form captain walking noise (laughs) and and i will accept that it doesn't in any way change how poorly that decision has aged and how wholly unable these games seem to have been to settle on a noise that was not annoying at best and like teeth grinding at worst maybe um I, i think you and i have talked about before that old pixel art games where the artwork was often designed knowing it was going to be on a screen that couldn't perfectly render it. Mm -hmm. It is also fair to assume that if you built Donkey Kong, you knew exactly what it was going to sound like because your company also built the cabinet with the speaker in it. So you knew what that sound like was going to sound like coming out of that speaker. If you built the original Math Blaster, you knew, oh, they're only ever going to play this on like an Apple II or whatever. So I know what it's going to sound like coming out of the speaker. And then we roll along friggin' three decades later with our gigantic televisions and our HD sound systems and 7.1 Dolby Digital. And it's like, no, 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 no. It was never meant to sound like this. <laughs> like you're hearing it wrong. So, you know, that excuse combined with other potential legitimate reasons like uh, 
I get it. I like your theory. Like that they were like, we need something. We need something that makes sound, right? Like I, I, mm-hmm. I like that as a theory. Um, it doesn't make it any less grating. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm just trying to think that I'm trying to think right now if predominantly, and I'm sure that there's an exception to every rule, but uh, is it predominantly the, the games that have that old, we have to make walking now noise is, if there's a correlation between that and games that do not have ambient music, I, you I know, think, I think probably ambient music or some other near constant sound effect, right? Like in centipede or Galaga, there's always a blaster noise or the aliens make like their we're coming to get you alien noise. Right. But in a lot of games, like in Donkey Kong, there's almost no sound. Like the game is nearly silent and speaking yeah. of nearly silent, this game has one piece of music. Math Blaster has, as far as I was able to to discern, one piece of music, and it is not friendly. It is not like, oh, hey, you're a kid playing a, a game about fun space. When you play the Trash Zapper game, it plays what I assume was the most terrifying piece of music that that guy was able to come <laughs> up with. It's so out of place. It's so incredibly out of place. Yes. Yeah. To kind of bring 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 together for me for the the audio is it basically is you know as I said is it there's the walking it, every time there's there's walking noise in a video game I'm immediately going to bring it up because I think it's funny. That's what the walking yeah. noise sounds like in this game. It's not yeah. a beeping like it is in or a squeaking like it is in Donkey Kong. It's and it's a lovingly crafted because they've actually made it sound like it's echoing in a room. Like they really tried. They really, really tried to make that noise sound three dimensional, which is a feat. Like I'm actually kind of impressed, but it doesn't need to exist at all. And it certainly doesn't need to be so thick. Well, and also, um, Name me your sex tape. So, but also, <laughs> so, uh, the 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 thing that I just thought of is that you're right. It is way more deep. It does sound like a kind of like a you know, like it's. So I just and this is kind of tangential, and a little harkens back to visual. But is there anything that scales the size of Math Blaster? Like, could he potentially be like fifty feet tall? And the reason why it makes that huge noise is because he is like slamming into the earth i just it's just a a thought that i suddenly had i'm like i don't think that there's anything that like i mean universally would scale him no because the only other living creatures you see are aliens um the only other natural objects you see are like i think you see like some food debris in the trash but it's on a screen because he's in the ship controlling the zapper so right. and then everything else is is Math Blaster made, right? It's Math Blaster's rocket ship, Math Blaster's math recycler, right? Those machines could be any size. They would be scaled to him, not the other way around. Right. right. So without a you know, a Reddit thumbs up banana for scale, like I don't <laughs> I don't know how to say for sure how big he is, but I maybe he's a giant <laughs> Maybe he only ever walks on hollow metal surfaces, and so it makes that noise when he walks. Now, my new headcanon is that he is like 50 feet tall, you know? <laughs> Attack and he of just, the giant. Because now blaster. if I go back and replay this game again, I'm just going to be like, oh, man, he's huge. <laughs> look, look at all these things going on, man. It's huge. 
but yeah, I mean, so aside from that, the the, the walking noise is that the the there is no quite often, and I think that this may very well be because you know they were like, look, predominantly this is going to be played in classrooms, so the sound's going to be off, so we can't really relay a whole bunch of information through sound. Um, so yeah, so there isn't any like there's there's the walking noise, the, there's next to no music. It is actually quiet a lot of the time. So as far as sound goes, there were some areas where it was displeasurable. No, <laughs> no place where I'd say like, I was like, you know, claw my eyes out awful. You know, there's some places no, where I mean, the, the walking noise so. is annoying. Like most walking noises in older games, but it's not the worst one. Donkey Kong still holds that card. Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I think that uh, for me, for sound, it's kind of like on a scale of negative 10 to 10, it's like a negative one where it's like, you know, it's not it's not good. And definitely there were a lot of missed opportunities. But I would be if I were the game designer, I'd be a little loath to have a lot of information conveyed through sound if I wasn't certain what type of play environment they were. I, I don't think that, that the key demographic was people who were playing this at home next to their mom who was working, you know? Well, and there's as a person who has dabbled in a variety of creative fields, audio seems like it's harder to do and you are punished less for phoning it in. Like a, a game that has mediocre music is almost never panned the same way as a game that has mediocre visuals, right? Or a game that has like mediocre, you know, game feel or whatever. Like if the songs are not particularly inspiring in a modern game, like if you went up to anybody who's like, oh man, I've put in thousands of hours on Call of Duty or like some, you know, dude bro shooter. And it's just like, oh yeah, what's your favorite piece of music from that game? They probably wouldn't even be able to answer you. Right, even though there's probably music happening in Dubro shooters all the freaking time, I know like Halo is famous for its soundtrack. Name another Dubro shooter that is famous for its soundtrack. There aren't a lot, right? Bro Force. <laughs> okay. Google it. Yeah, no, I know it's a thing, <laughs> um, but you, you take my meaning, right? Like we yes. we are as a species in general like visual creatures, right? Yeah. A lot of our cognition is tied to that particular sense and so if i was a solo developer or a small team of developers that are focusing more on making this game something kids would want to play to hopefully teach them math if we don't have anyone on staff who's a talented musician and understands how to make music on a computer which is an entirely different skill from like knowing how to play the piano right it's I, I probably wouldn't fall all over myself to be like, oh, we can't ship this until we hire a, a, a digital composer. Like, who's who's going to play our edutainment math game if we don't have a stirring soundtrack? No one. That's who. Exactly. And John Williams was unfortunately booked. So, yeah, I mean, it, at this time is. in history, he was uh, taking a 10 year break to prepare himself for the music that the Star Wars prequels would require. Oh, yeah. And thank God that he did, because I think that we can all agree that those Star Wars prequels are. <laughs> <laughs> so I do that. I, I want to make sure I, I say these these two uh, points definitively. Uh, one is that terrifying music before the Trash Zapper game. I actually really like it. It just feels eh? incredibly out of place. <laughs> like it's a cool, scary sci fi piece of like melody it just doesn't belong here at all um and the other thing is uh 
I, I do want to specifically point out that the you got it right, you got it wrong yes. sound seems yes. to be there's like a set of them and they seem to draw from them randomly, right? There's like two or three, you know, three or four, you got it right sounds and three or four, you got it wrong sounds. And they all sound similar ish and they happen randomly when you answer a question. And that feels like the most egregious missed opportunity with the audio is please because all the games look visually different. So I understand why I don't have the same visual feedback for you got it right. Even though there are ways you could do that. I understand why they didn't do that. But the audio, like a bing when you get it right and a wah, wah, when you get it wrong, like, come on. Like, I, this is an opportunity for really easy to understand auditory feedback that is useful to the player, that is in line with your goal of making it an education product first. Like, I mean, just imagine if every time you were trying to teach something to your three-year-old and he was like, right, Dada? And you were like, mm-hmm. And then the next time he was like, right, Dada? And you were like, yes. And then the next time he was like, right, Dada? And you were like, correct. It's like, well, now you're trying to teach him all the different ways you can say something in the affirmative, which is probably not the lesson you're actually delivering, right? So like, that just, when I, I noticed that, because I think it's the worst in the Trash Zapper game, because there is a consistent visual for right and wrong within that game, because he does the little thumbs up. Every time you get one right, it's the same visual. He looks at the camera and does a little thumbs up, but it's a different noise randomly. And I was just like, why? Why? Why is it not a you got it right noise and a you got it wrong noise? Why? Yeah, that's a very good point. And like, I, I can't, can't think of a good reason, but, uh, I, but yeah, I, def- I think they were just trying to insert sure. some variety and they didn't realize the giant payment, right? They're like, oh, yeah, we got a little bit of auditory variety. And it's like, but at what cost? Look, what have you done now? <laughs> yeah. But uh, mechanics? Yeah. Um, we need to at least throw a specific mention to the fact that this game is at a time in history when they were like, uh, a lot of computers have mice nowadays and people expect to be able to interact with graphics with a mouse. And so they just literally present you every time you start each of the mini games with the question like keyboard or mouse. It's yep. like, how, how you, how you doing this? Can it just yeah. be both just, and, and the thing is I thought about it and I was like, the, the answer might literally be no they may not have actually been able to easily initialize both of those devices at the same time on all of the different platforms that like, I'm just going to pick on DOS. Like maybe on a DOS computer, you either initialize the mouse or you initialize the keyboard and the amount of processing power that it would take to run them simultaneously would interfere with running the game loop. And so they actually are like, Hey, you should pick I suspect what actually happened is they make you pick so you know where to put your hands, but what a weird time in history to have such a, a, a early time for game design and such an early time for the literal technology that it was like, so uh, what input device will you be using today, friendo? And it's like, I don't know, one of the ones on the desk. And it's like, no, I'd I'd really rather you were specific. <laughs> Yeah, and because that was the thing is they would be like, you know, what are you using, mouse or keyboard? I'm like, to be honest, my my first thought is, what 
did the designers intend you yeah. know which, which because, do you want me to use right because i mean and and that would be such a simple way, way to frame it to be like are you using a keyboard no okay so so then you're using a mouse because then i'd be like oh I, I can you know like but it's like mouse or keyboard i'm like mouse i i guess i mean it's i mean i could use either one which which is going to be which one did you design around you know and it's just it is those little little just design things of like knowing because i i'm all about you know like there's there's you know designer intent on you know how how they want you to play the game and then there's how i'm gonna play the game because it's my game and i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want Right. So I get that, that that doesn't need to be one to one, but I do always like to know how the designer intended for me to play it, you know, so that way I can know when I'm deviating from that, mostly so that way, if I'm not having a fun time, I can double back and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing what the game designer wanted versus if I make all of like for great example on every single video game, whenever they've said like, you know, adjust your brightness. So that way this symbol is barely <laughs> visible. No, man, no. I want to. I want to clearly see that thing. You know, I, I do the exact same thing because I don't want to be fumbling around in the dark. I do the absolute exact same thing because I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine a world where I'm like, yeah, I want to just barely know what's going on. Like that's not what yeah. I show up to video games for. No, no. I mean, in my real life, I mean, look at look at what we did as humanity. The first thing we did was we turned up the brightness in our world. Like <laughs> we don't walk around like in our houses like oh let me add dimmer switches to everything no we turn on every light in the house you know um it, it, until our children do it and then we say what what do you think i'm made out of money and then we turn off the lights yeah then we all turn into curtis's dad from the comic strip that light doesn't need to be on this this is actually tangential but uh literally the other day i, I was so depressed because teddy walked inside and he's you know he's three so he just like walked inside and he left the door open i'm like teddy can you close the door and he's at that age where he's like, but why? I'm like, because I don't need to cool the entire out. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. No, the, the first time I said to my daughter the exact thing that my father said to me, which is dangerously close to that, which is I'm not cooling all of outdoors. Yeah. Like I got all the way through it and then I just went. Oh, <sighs> uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, I said all of that to say, uh, yeah, no, I, I want to know which do they want me to use. They want me to use a keyboard or mouse. And it's to be really simple is if they said, like, are you using a keyboard? No. Like, if I, then I would probably say, like, oh, yeah, no, I can be. And then just, I would have said yes. But the fact is, like, which one of these two equally viable options are you using? I'm like, I, whichever, I guess, mouse is that, well, is and, that what you want? And, and so remember, like, and you said this right at the top of the show is like you had to know the divine alchemy to launch this from DOS, right? You had to know what wizardry to type into the terminal so that Satan would, you know, bring forth the demon that is math blaster. Like that's how mm -hmm. computers were for a long time. And I know that's like, Oh, thanks for the history lesson. But that means the way they phrase this question is in a world where they can pretty much assume that you do have a keyboard. Like you have to type in numbers to play the game. So there's no way you don't have a keyboard, but you might not even have a mouse, right? Mm -hmm. You may not have a pointing device at all because you may never use any software that even supports a pointing device, let alone requires it. So I could imagine this question being phrased as 
would you prefer a mouse or like, Mm -hmm. would you prefer to use the mouse or something like that? Where it's like, if you have a mouse, would you rather use that? Because that's like the new up and coming input method, right? But they know you have a keyboard because you have to have a keyboard. Not to mention they can literally see that it's connected to the computer, but like the designers can assume you have this required bit of technology, just like they probably assume you have a screen, you know, like it's that integral to the experience. But at this time in history, they don't know that you even own a mouse. Maybe you've never touched one before playing Math Blaster for the first time, right? So the the way you might approach that is, I, I think you're right. Like, what were you expecting? What did you design around? And what alternative did you make available that may not be the the primary experience that most of your players are going to have, right? Like a lot of games support like a colorblind mode, right? Because there's lots of information on the screen and you want to switch it over uh, to use shapes or to use patterns or something to support players who are colorblind. But the core experience is designed for people who are not colorblind. And then that's an accommodation. And that's great. I'm glad that those things exist. But at this time in history, a mouse was kind of an accommodation. The keyboard was expected. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so no, that's, that's a fair, fair point for controls. Um, for me again, you know, like the, um, kind of like all of my kind of mechanical, you know, kind of, uh, things was like, for example, like one of the things that I had was, uh, that I don't feel that the game did a great job, you know, Again, this is such a, it's such an early game, so it's kind of hard to you know like be, be too well, and, harsh on it. And it's a solo project edu game, which throws right. all kinds of other assumptions out the window. Right, but all that being said, is that I just don't think that it did a great job teaching. You know, is so I actually have a, a thing about this in my notes, which is, I and and my experience as an educator, because I am an experienced educator, is all in higher education, which is technically andragogy even though everyone calls it pedagogy pedagogy is teaching children andragogy is teaching adults but let's not split hairs um so most of my training is in teaching adults not in teaching children and it's certainly not in teaching very young children the only experience i have teaching very young children is being a parent and guess what they don't require any kind of training or certification for that for some unbelievable reason so i have a pretty high level of confidence that this is not a teaching tool. This is a drilling or what you might think of as like a studying or practice tool. So Mm. I know that sounds for someone who most of the people in our audience who are probably not educators that may seem like a nitpicky difference, but teaching someone how to do something and then repeatedly testing them on it. Once you know, they know how to do the thing those are in the brain different things. And I, I don't think that this game is trying to teach math. It certainly doesn't feel like it's trying to teach me math. It feels like it is trying, it assumes I know how to do addition and subtraction and basic multiplication and division. And now they are making me drill it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the thing is that, you know, from, from my seat is, uh, is that I feel that the game doesn't, the reason why I say it doesn't like, you know, teach very well is because it doesn't give very quick feedback. It gives you that like end report card. Right. And that's why at the beginning I kind of mentioned the, the Barl's taxonomy thing, because initially I was like, no, there should, I should be getting constant feedback on my performance. You know, like why, why wouldn't you? That's, that's, 
And and so the fact that it kind of defaulted to, I'm not sure again whether this is like Bartle's taxonomy based or which I doubt, or whether it's just <laughs> this is the way it's done in the classroom. But like with video games, the awesome thing about video games is you can get real time feedback. You know, so I mean, like take it take it Mario. You know, I mean, like they literally have gating mechanics that say you know like you will not get past this point unless you have mastered the skill. You know, and I didn't really see much in the way of that like I, I intentionally flubbed it for a little bit and it was like no 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 and I'm like well then now help me you know like, you've now seen me fail at this a number of times say you know like say like hey either go get your instructor for help or you know like no we need to bring it back down a difficulty level or or any any sort of like feedback loop there were no feedback loops in this game you know like it yeah. just it just kept hammering you with the same the same stuff over and over again now again from a classroom setting, right? That's to be kind of understood. I mean, teachers only have so much bandwidth, right? So they give everybody an assessment, you fill out the assessment, and then three days later, you get the assessment back and you see how you did. And this mirrors that, you know, but it's like, but, but it doesn't have to, you yeah. know? No, and, and this is, I, I, I don't want to go too far afield on this just because like, this is my area. Like I could talk about this near indefinitely, <laughs> But one of the promises of digital education has always been automated, personalized feedback. And mm-hmm. math of all subjects is so high on the list of works really well in this paradigm because I can answer a math question wrong and the game can know exactly how it's wrong it's not Mm -hmm. like i'm writing an essay dissecting the plays of shakespeare and why some are better than others like the computer is not sophisticated enough to understand that despite what most people say a human is best involved in that process but math computer's good at math right like and it understands that and because there's a limited number of inputs you could actually plan around every possible answer or even just categories of answers right like like oh if it's a higher like if it's 2 plus 2 and they enter 5 you could say nope that's too much and if it's right. 2 plus 2 and they put in 3 you could say that's not enough right and then like they're at least getting a little bit of corrective feedback as opposed to just right or wrong and as we talked about in the audio and the visuals the feedback on whether or not you got something right or wrong is so mild as to be almost unhelpful unless you already have a certain amount of games literacy. If I answer a math question and then this bar that was all black is now a little bit yellow and then all black, and then I answer another math question and now the bar is a little bit more yellow, do I, do I want that? Like, is that, does that mean my math is good or bad? When that fills all the way up, does the space station explode as a punishment? I don't actually know because I have to make a bunch of assumptions about science fiction and games literacy and what the object of this game is, if I even know that, to know if this is a thing I want, right? So just a very clear right and wrong, right? In the trash zapper, the fact that he actually just gives you a thumbs up is nice, right? If there was a clear right and wrong answer sound, that would be really nice. And then if they, that's to me, that's like the bare minimum. Then if they took the step into actual corrective feedback, that's too high, that's too low, that's not quite right for such and such a reason, that's when it becomes more of a teaching tool. This, to me, as much as I hate to say it, this is way closer to the stereotype of the little brick schoolhouse and the one teacher at the front of the class 
pointing with her yardstick up at the board and the kids all in unison just saying two times two is four. Four times mm-hmm. four is 16, right? Like, oh, God. Like, and, and I, I know the game's trying to do a lot, and it was a weird time in history, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get all that. But knowing what we know now just feels like all of these lost opportunities, things they could have done then. It's not like any mm-hmm. of this was beyond them technologically. It was just beyond them from, like, a game design uh, standpoint and probably the talent of the team working on this because they were educators, primarily not game designers. Right. So uh, do you have anything else for uh, controls? I think that, that I have something that links back into this, but it kind of goes into the did it hold up? Uh, so I did promise earlier that I would talk a little bit more about my five-year-old's experience. Um, yes. And, and I do think this was actually valuable because it occurred to me, I was like, oh, this may be the most perfect game for me to share with her for an episode of Nostalgia Goggles because it's aimed at about kids her age. She's actually a little bit on the young side, but not too much. And I played the role of the teacher and I sat with her and I was like, you know, oh, this is trying to do this. This is trying to do that. And uh, this is where I realized that some of the mechanics are not only not conveyed clearly through the game, but are actually harder to explain than the math that is related. So the number recycler game, I think, is the most egregious because... Mm -hmm. With the Math Blaster, it's like, okay, the, the correct answer is up at the top, and you need to shoot yourself up to the correct answer. With the 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 Trash Zapper, it's like you literally just type in the number, right? <laughs> With the Number Recycler, you have these columns of numbers and math symbols, and you have to put them into a a true formula. And trying to explain, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this, so I mean, the fault could very much be with me, but trying to explain to my five-year-old who can do addition and subtraction pretty well, because she has workbooks full of proof that she can do addition and subtraction, and we drill her sometimes at home, trying to explain to her, okay, the second number, the one after the operand, doesn't add up with the first number to be equal to the sum on the right side. So what would you change, right? Like that's hard. That was really, really difficult for me to explain to her. And like, I tried a few different ways. And the thing is with uh, trying to teach something to someone, each successive set of explanations or analogies or whatever is less likely to be successful because they are becoming more and more frustrated. So you're, explanation has to get exponentially better to account for how they're becoming more and more frustrated with each explanation that they are not understanding. Right. And Mm -hmm. she's a kid. I'm her dad. She was getting increasingly frustrated. And so I was like, okay, let's play one of the other games. And then we tried the, um, the math blaster and man, she did not enjoy having to do math under pressure. Like, I I don't know if it's because she has a low games literacy. I don't know if it's because she's not the achiever type, but or the the killer type, but like she did not like having to do math where I was like, okay, quickly, like, what is it? You're like, the alien's going to come and kill you. I guess I don't really know what the penalty is, but like a bad thing is going to happen that you don't want to happen. But then the other games where she had infinite time, it's going to come and make you play math blaster (laughs) basically. But then like the other two games where she had infinite time and the rules were clearer because it's just like do math, you know, build, do math and it builds a rocket. Ooh, rocket like that. She loved. And so seeing in real time, her experience of these mechanics 
not just in terms of how she felt about the different mechanics, but the game's ability to convey why this is any fun and why you would ever do this was like a really informative experience. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, none of the math in this is beyond me. So it made it easier for me to focus on the mechanics and not have to focus on the drudgery of typing in numbers to simple addition and subtraction problems. So yeah, like I, I, I thought that there was a unique thing about this game that I was able to like, not just bring my kid into it and turn it into a fun father daughter thing, but like bring her into it and use her as the lens by which I observed a lot of the mechanics in the game world. Like that's, not something I've been able to do so far and probably not something I'll be able to do terribly often because she is five. Yeah, give it a few years. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, she would insist that I say she's five and three quarters. No, I mean, that's from all that math blaster she was playing, man. She knows fractions now. <laughs> right. She's amazing. <laughs> uh, but that is, in fact, uh, the end of my notes. So um, so all that being said, did it hold up? No. Um. <laughs> This requires nostalgia goggles, uh, just full on nostalgia goggles, and and I want to, I want to be fair and say that an edutainment game is almost always, as it should be, educating first. And because there is nothing for me to get out of this, no one is forcing me to do it, and I already know all of the subject matter interacting with the game was fairly monotonous, right? Which is why I involved the five-year-old as early as possible because that helped me focus on the mechanics and let her worry about the math because for her, the math was the interesting and challenging part, right? So it's hard to say like, oh, well, it's not any fun for this reason or that reason. There's a lot of reasons this game requires nostalgia goggles that we just spent an hour talking about. But even if none of those things were there and it was a well-made, well-polished, good-looking, good-sounding, well-designed, perfectly balanced game experience, it would still be really boring to just do a bunch of basic arithmetic and, and subtraction. So Unfortunately, any edutainment game is likely to be cut off at the knees in that way. But this one didn't need to be cut off in the knees at that way because it was cut off in the knees in so many other ways. So I agree completely. It is definitely full on nostalgia goggles. Um, here's here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of crap on edutainment games, specifically ones that are made to be that way. So let me ask you this. Um, I would consider that for both of us, our arithmetic to be above average, right? It's not stellar. <laughs> sure. But no, I'm, I, the reason why I'm saying that is that like particularly the ability, your ability to chug numbers in your head, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that this is exclusively to thank for it, but I think that there, the, one of the main reasons for that is D&D, right? Because oh, what do you do yeah. all day long in D&D is you're just adding numbers together, yeah. right? And, so, and usually within, I would say, almost always two-digit numbers. It's very rare in D&D, unless you're playing like an epic level campaign. They're like, look right. at all these three-digit numbers I have to worry about. It's almost always two single-digit numbers, a single-digit, and a double-digit, maybe two low double-digit numbers. Right. And especially if you start off level one, right? You know, I mean, even your your wizards haven't begun playing fireball yet. So, so you know, like you're not dealing with like, oh, well, I've got to add up like friggin' 10d6, you know? 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's the thing. So like when when the question is, is like, does does should I go back and play Math Blaster? No, go back and play another video, another game, any game that is just math centric, you know? And I think that this is where a lot of times games like this mess the boat is because they're like, well, we need to be educating with math. It's like if all you if you are trying to make a game that circles around educating math it can be done in a very entertaining way this game doesn't even as you said attempt to do that it attempts to drill math and if you're just trying to drill a subject there are a bajillion different way more fun more entertaining and more engaging ways to do it especially with math i mean like basically every game has to have some kind of a system that you count stuff as a general rule even Candyland, right which is all about you know like just colors right there's still one red square or two red squares right i mean that's still that's that's still counting yeah. right so you're teaching counting while you're playing that game monopoly you have to be able to you know hand out money and then make change and all this sort of stuff so if you want to try to drill math drill it as part of something that you need to have as a tool that you need to have it's like newton you know he wanted to really get into and understand like the way that the gravity works so in order to do that he had to create calculus if you want to create a pumpkin pie the first thing you have to do is create the universe if you want to teach people <laughs> math just cre- create a game where the core concepts that you are trying to drill are constantly drilled by inherently just by playing the game don't make it about that because then it's about that you know well there, make there's it about- a, a quote that i i will butcher but paraphrase accurately enough which is um if you need to build a ship don't round up men and tell them to chop down trees and, you know, get wax and nails and hammers, round them up and imbue in them a deep and unabiding love for the sea. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, yeah, don't, don't go to people and be like, Oh, Hey, would you like to do math? Almost no one would answer yes to that, but there are lots right. of things that involve numbers. Yeah, exactly. And instead say like, Hey, do you want to play this game? And the answer is like, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to play a fantasy game full of, you know, like, you know, magic and mystery and all this sort of stuff? It's like, yeah, I'm entirely bad with that. It's like, all right, that's cool. Then you need to be able to read and write and do all this sort of stuff. So, you know, and you can dumb all that down, but, um, but eventually, you know, it's like, yeah, like, so, you know, you roll a D it's, it's one D eight plus one. It's like, okay, five plus one is six. So, I mean, I bet you'll be able to add the numbers one through eight plus one plus five plus all of that. Just lightning fast eventually, you know? Um, I mean, uh, there was a time in history when I could do math by 45s in my head quickly because you and I both used to weightlift. And there's no other reason I would ever need to quickly be able to multiply something by 45, but I can if I'm thinking of it in terms of pounds, right? Yeah. And also too, like this is this is tangential, but while I'm on this rant, is like one of the reasons why I think that that you know, um, both of us not to, to break our arms, patting ourselves on the back, but both of us have, have been able to be good leaders in our lives, is because we both played D and D and both played as the DM, right? Hear so that, Jocks? If you, want, if you wanted to be management and not yeah. lower skilled workers, you'd have played D and D. Boom. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so I mean, basically, is that is is you know when people are like, oh, well, what do you need in order to be a manager? Well, you just tell people what to do. It's like, well, but ultimately they can just quit, right? So you have to like kind of hit this this middle ground of like making sure everybody still wants to stay and not and do the work and like do the thing, but not let everybody run all over the place and do whatever <laughs> they want. Like that exact middle ground of keeping people engaged and having fun, but not running amok. 
That's being a DM, right? So if you so you go to somebody and you say like, hey, listen, I want you to become a leader. So I'm going to enroll you in 50 bajillion different leadership courses. Yeah, they'll do it, you know, because they want the end or whatever. But if you really want somebody to become a good leader, just make a game where inherently you have to develop a lot of those skills through trial and error, you know? So bring that, said all that to say this, which is, <laughs> Not only does this game fall short through nostalgia goggles, I think that generally it it tries very, very hard to just really, really drill math when what it really should be doing is just making a game where drilling math happens, you know, by by coincidence, right? In the same way that if you really want to imbue somebody with this deep desire to explore, you should just have them play Metal Gear. Like it's a great, it's a so, great so, game. Solid. Metal Gear solid. No, yeah, it's a solid game. Dude, don't do this. Don't do this to me. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress, down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creeping With the end of a smile You realize again Lost for a while You're gonna think back much less 